Wow. I want to share something today just as we're finishing the era. <clears throat> I feel like I'm already well and truly into next year. <clears throat> and so it's sort of hard to think about thinking back and more thinking forward. And, uh, but I want to share just something called the prayer of kings. And uh, it's a prayer I want to put in your heart that as you exit this year, it'll be something that you'll begin to pray. And I'd love you just during the holidays to begin to get this prayer in your heart. Very simple prayer, but it's a prayer concerning your coming year and concerning your future. And uh, how many found this last year a bit of a challenge? Eh? How many had some personal challenges? Yeah. They weren't very welcome, were they? But however, the Bible says to welcome them as friends. I want to read your scripture before we get started. Then uh, we'll read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 through to 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. How about that? No, we don't lose heart in spite of any kind of difficulties. Now, Paul is writing after having one of the most difficult ministry seasons in his life. He was under tremendous pressure. He found resistance from everywhere. People had abandoned him, and he stood alone in Asia against all kinds of demonic powers and all kinds of opposition and resistance. And yet, having talked about how bad it is, then he ends up incredibly positively, and uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't deny that there were difficulties. He said, I was so pressed down, I thought I was going to die. Now, that's the Apostle Paul saying he's had a bad time. He said he was so pressed down, he was about, he was, that's what he says now. He says, but we don't lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is renewed day by day. In other words, he's saying, I might have gone through some difficulties. I had a couple of boats I took and they sank unexpectedly. I spent two or three days in the water, treading water, holding on to driftwood. He said, even though it was a bit hard, he says, and my outer man got a bit of a bashing. He said, nevertheless, I'm stronger as a result of those things than I was before. How about that? That's not a wimpy kind of response to life, is it? I hear so many people and they go through troubles and they get full of self-pity. You can either be full of self-pity or full of faith. This is what, and here's where you get your faith. Look at this. Look what it says here. It says this light affliction, which works, it's just for a moment. So he said, what I've gone through is only temporary. And it says it's working a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, what he's saying is no matter what I've gone through, no matter how hard it is, I know this. My life is in God's hands. I know that God is about his business of bringing me into my destiny. And I know whatever he dished up, whatever came my way, whatever troubles I had, whatever pain I had, whatever setbacks I had, he said, it is working for me. It is helping me to grow into the fullness of what God wants me to be. It's bringing about in my life an increasing knowledge of Christ and increasing awareness of His power and His anointing in my life. That's a fantastic attitude to have, isn't it? Eh? That's a faith attitude. That's the attitude of a king. That's a positive attitude based on the Word of God. But you notice it's got a condition attached. And he says, it just depends all on where you're looking. He says, while we look not and the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. But while we look at the things which are not seen, for the things which are not seen are eternal. And he says, the key to growing in times of difficulty and adversity is not to fix your eyes on the problems, not to fix your eyes on the things you can see, feel, taste, touch, experience. If you set your eyes on those things, then you will be overwhelmed with trouble and pressure and difficulty. He said, 
we set our eyes not on the things which are visible, but on things which are invisible. In other words, there are some things you see, but they're temporary. There are some things which cannot be seen. They're invisible to the naked eye, but they're real. They're there. They are eternal. It's the Word of God, the promises of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. While I fix my eyes on those things, he said, then whatever's happening for me is working for my good. You can have a lot of bad experiences in life and become angry, hurt, grieve, bitter, fall out of church, fall out of relationships, fall out of God, become all kinds of, all kinds of things can happen in your life. But I tell you what, it's all because of where you looked when you were in the trouble. You look to the Lord, you look to His faithfulness, and you say, God, I don't care what I'm going through, no matter what it is, you will use it to grow me, develop me, bring me to another level. When I come through this, I'm going to be purified. I'm going to be like a diamond. See, it's all about where you fix your eyes. And he said, it's important we fix our eyes on things which are not seen. That's a crazy statement, isn't it? You should be looking at things which are not seen. No, 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 no. He's talking about the eyes of your heart. And where your focus is, where your attention is, set it on God and His promises and His Word. I want you to look with me over into, uh, into 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And I've called this the prayer of a king. Prayer of kings. I love us to get it in our spirit. And it's about, you know this, you'll have heard it called something different, called Jabez's prayer. But I want to put it in the context of what we've been looking at on being kings. Being kings. Interesting, when Jesus was born... You know, the religious world loves to look at it and see a child in a manger. But the announcement came, where is he that was born king? Kings may be infants, but they're still a king. He was born a king. You were born into the kingdom of God. You were born a king and a priest under God. Got to learn how to grow up into it. Now, verse 9, 1 chapter, Chronicles 4, verse 9. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brother. And his mother called his name Jabez. Jabez means sorrow, grief, pain. Imagine having a name like that. What's your name? Pain. Come again? Pain. Really? Pain. Why, why are you called pain? I was a real pain to my mum when I was born, you know. She was having a really hard and miserable time, and it's so all she could do was think to put that name on me. Well, people called lots of things, but what people call you is not as important as what God calls you and what He says you are. He says, this man was more honorable, and he said, because, and, and his mother called his name Jabez because I bore him in pain. So it doesn't tell us whether it's physical pain or whether she was going through a tragedy, through a difficult season. Uh, it could have been a time in the nation where the nation was going through trauma, trouble, invasion by its enemies, whatever it was, or we know her personal experience was one of pain. It doesn't say anything about the father. It was normally the practice of the father to name the child. So the chances are the father had died or was killed or there'd been a breakup in the marriage. But whatever happens, the mother who, who spoke over his life spoke the word sorrow, sorrow and pain. And so that's not a great way to start life, is it, with sorrows and pains? Because often what happens is that when a mother carries a child, the emotions of the mother uh, uh, affect the child. What the mother carries in her spirit can be imparted to the child. We know from the uh, teachings on generational curses, how uh, things which are around a, a mother and carrying a child in the womb, uh, the child will pick up. Interesting, uh, when Mary spoke, the child within Elizabeth's womb leapt. It responded to the prophetic voice. So 
children in a womb can respond to the prophetic voice. They can respond to the voice of adversity and circumstances and demonic spirits. They are sensitive and can respond, even though the mind isn't developed. But this boy, so this boy was birthed or came into the world surrounded by sorrow. But I want you to see the Holy Ghost identifies him and says some things about him. It says he was more honorable. That word is the same word where, where we use the word glory. God, show us your glory. Kabad, weight, goodness, glory, virtue, who you are. So when the Bible is referring to the glory of God, it's referring to the name, the nature of God. And the Holy Ghost calls on this and points this man. It's got a whole genealogy, all these names. And then right in the middle of it, the Holy Ghost stops and wait, 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 wait. This man here called Sorrow was much more honorable, had much more glory. There was something about him that makes this man stand out and be distinctive. And then it explains exactly what it was. And it was his prayer, the prayer of a king. He never let his circumstances determine what his future would be, but rather something in him rose up and he got a hold of the promises of God and he rose up and he prayed a prayer. It's a fantastic prayer. It's the prayer of a king. Here's the prayer. Lord, the Jabez called on the God of Israel. So he was aware or had learned probably from his mother who taught him the Word of God that he had a legacy, a, an inheritance. He belonged to a nation singled out by God to influence the world, influence the nations. He realized that as a descendant of Abraham, he was entitled to blessings from Abraham. And so faith rose in his heart and this is his prayer. I call it the prayer of a king. Because notice what it is. He says, oh God, bless me truly. Bless me in great abundance. He said, secondly, he said, enlarge my territory. That's kingly talk. Oh, let your hand be with me. The power and the might and the hand of God on me. And keep me from evil that I would not cause pain. And notice that statement, that I would not cause pain. What he's saying is, at the beginning of my life, there was difficulty, there was pain, there was adversity. I've even been named that, but he's saying, God, I believe that you can take someone who's come out of pain, adversity, difficulty, trouble, hardship, and you can raise them up, and their life does not reflect where they came from. Their life does not multiply the pains and sorrows. I found so often what happens when people have grown up with broken families and abuse and all kinds of things, they get infected with it in their heart and spirit. Bitterness and anger and hurt and grief come in. And what happens is they then begin to multiply the sorrow. They do exactly what he prayed wouldn't happen. To they cause other people to be in pain. My own life, as I've become aware of areas of brokenness and, and lack and areas where I have not processed things in my own life, I realized to my grief the pain that had caused those around me I love. Great revelation that is. It's still a revelation. So often, we don't have relationships close enough where people can talk to you honestly and tell you the things you need to hear about your life. It costs you something to have that kind of relationship where people know you well enough and love you well enough and you are open to them and can trust them and they can talk into your life and share with you the things in your life that need to be adjusted, areas of immaturity, areas of brokenness, areas of lack, areas that are blind spots. Every one of us has blind spots. You have areas of your life you can't see 
But believe me, everyone around you can see it. Anyone who gets married realizes you have lots of blind spots and they all come out and they're now visible spots uh, when you get married. I think when you're getting about to get married, you're just completely blind altogether. I don't think you see too much at all. You're bedazzled by the beauty and the hope of something together. And then afterwards, you have to work it all out. When you work it all out, <clears throat> suddenly you see things you weren't aware of. And you see things in yourself because your wife tells you. You see things in her and you try to tell her. So it goes on. You know, wonder what his prayer was. Keep me that I might not cause pain. So he was aware that there was every possibility that his life would overflow and hurt the people around him. It's very easy for that to happen. I, I think it would be a great thing if we determined the coming year to cultivate relationships where you invited someone to speak into you and tell you things you need to hear. Oh, wouldn't that be good? Well, that's a very quiet response, isn't it? Eh? Well, carry on causing pain then. <laughs> so, you know, it's much better actually to have a relationship where people can tell you the truth. But I tell you, you, you really get distressed by it. Someone says, well, look, I, I, we need to talk. Lynn's good at that. So we need to talk. You had a, have you ever had Lynn beckon you and say, we need to talk? Well, there'll be a bit of pain. We'll follow that. That's for sure. There'll be some tears and then you'll come right. And then you'll be very glad you had the talk. But anyway, this was his prayer. Don't cause, I don't want to cause pain. I don't want my life to multiply grief and sorrow. I want my life to be a blessing. He said, so God, I want you to pour your spirit on me. I want the blessing that came on Abraham to rest on me. You know, the Bible says we're redeemed from the curse. That's the curse of sorrow and sickness and failure and pain and grief. Galatians 3, 13, that the blessing of Abraham would come on us. We might receive that great and wonderful Holy Ghost that would bring us to be not only be blessed in our life, but become a blessing to others. God wants you in 2011 to be a blessing to your family, a blessing to your community, a blessing to your workplace, not a pain. You know, quite good to get a, get a report from people back on, well, what do they like to work in? They're always a pain. Well, you need feedback on that one, don't you? <laughs> need someone to tell you, why are you such a pain? What can you do to deal with it? And here's his prayer. This is a bit I love, and this is a bit I want to uh, just focus on for a few minutes. He said, oh, this was his prayer, that you would enlarge my territory. Now, that is the prayer that kings pray. That is the prayer I'd love you to pray, to begin to start to get it into your, into your prayer life day by day. Oh God, today bless me abundantly and enlarge my territory. That word enlarge is the same word that God spoke over Adam when he said, go forth and multiply. It's not just, hey, give me a bit more territory. He said, I want to be multiplied. So what is this territory? Well, for him, probably it was a piece of lamb. But for us, your territory is your life and the influence it brings on others. Your territory is your life and the influence it brings on others. So your prayer then, oh God, pour out your spirit in abundance. Bless me in every aspect of my life and let my life grow greatly and be an incredibly positive and great influence on those around me. This coming year as a result of Bay City's generosity and giving, our influence in the world is about to multiply. 
I'm talking multiply here. In past years, we've been able to reach out to thousands upon thousands of people. Now through the media of television, going through to the 1040 window, we will multiply what has been done. That's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, having real influence. See, but that also applies at a personal level as well. See, your territory is invisible and visible. Your territory is part of it's invisible, you can't see it. But part of it's visible, you can see. And what you can see is the reflection of what is in the heart, what you can't see. The invisible part of your territory is your inward life. So the prayer to enlarge my territory means, God, I want my inward life enlarged. What does that mean? It means I need change in my heart beliefs. I need to resolve wrong beliefs in my heart and begin to let my heart be renewed to believe the Word of God about me and who I am and what God's called me to do. Some people struggle, and I've struggled over many years, in early life particularly, over a sense of judgment of myself as being inferior and lacking, and that judgment in the heart was a negative belief that limited what I could accomplish in life. So change in the exterior or change in the outer life required a change in a heart belief and a repenting of the bitter roots in my heart. So uh, to enlarge your territory means two things. One, it means dealing with the issues in your heart, the giants in your life that block your growth, and then looking how you can extend your influence in every area of your external life. So the invisible part, your heart believes, your attitudes. If you have a victim, we've been on victim mentality recently. Kings don't have a victim mentality. They think positively and they're proactive. So if you have victim mentality or thinking, you'll have to get rid of it if you're going to expand your territory, uh, your emotional area. Some people are locked in their emotions. Well, if you're going to expand your territory, break free. Find out what locks up your emotions. What's got hold of your heart? What are the strongholds and giants? And face them and get help. We'll run retreats next year. You would want to book in. Don't say, oh, well, I had something on. I had a football match on that weekend. I say, well, too bad. I trust that you really grew and changed through your football match. Uh, but, you know, in fact, it won't help you. It's great entertainment, but entertainment can be a distraction from destiny. Never miss your destiny moments by being distracted by entertainment. There are certain moments when God will meet with you, and in those times, you just need to be, you've got to present yourself and be ready for change. We kind of think you can just turn it on and off, but there are times when the Spirit of God will move. For example, in a church, you'll move in seasons on a particular area, and in that particular season, it's real easy to get to change. Then he's moving on something else. You've got to remember that. Okay, so there's one thing. So then the exterior area, well, there's other things then you could do, which are external. So what about your marriage? What about what could be built? How could your marriage grow in 2011? How could your family, how could you change or influence your family? Uh, how could you grow your finances and develop your finances? Now, to develop your finances requires inward change of thinking followed by outward doing something different. Uh, so there's an internal part, there's an external part. What about uh, being involved in serving? Uh, you know, if you want your world to enlarge, why don't you choose and get involved in something you've never done before? Get involved and stretch out to serve in a way you've never served before. That would enlarge your territory. You know, when a stranger sits down beside you, you can stay in your own world. You say, God, my large mind territory to include him, and then reach out, show hospitality, friendship, and see that person influence. 
So God can do in 2011 far more exceedingly abundantly than you think or ask. So here is your prayer. God, bless me. Oh, multiply your blessings on me today. Let them come from heaven and be in the earth. I'm blessed in my body. I'm blessed in my mind. I'm blessed in my marriage. I'm blessed in my family. Begin to start to get into your mouth the promises and words of God and begin to shape your world in the invisible realm and see things change in the practical realm. Begin to start to shift what you say, what you believe, then what you do. So, and there's some practical things you could do. So one, pray consistently over that issue of enlarging. Write it down, underline it. God, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. Now, the next thing you need to do is clarify what it means for you to enlarge the territory. Is it a problem you need to overcome? Is it a bondage that holds you back? Is it an issue in your finance? Is it something that's been around your life for years and you've never broken free of it? Is it something to do with area of serving? Is it something in business? What is it that you, that's what I want to grow in. Identify it. And then what do you need to do for that to grow this year? What would you need to do? Because you've got to boil it down to something you're going to do. If it doesn't come down to something you're going to do, you walk out the door, feel good, you'd be no different. Feeling good doesn't mean I've changed. Doing something different means I'm on the path to change. And we need to be careful. We don't just enjoy messages but just don't let it get into the heart to change what we say and what we do. So make it specific. Think what you need to do. Set some new priorities. Now, for example, you may find you're just spending hours and hours and hours on the television or hours and hours on the internet, whatever. Well, change the priority. Just cut it out and do something different. Invest in learning a new skill. Invest in learning some new things that you've never learned before. Invest in yourself. Then you'll have more value to give and your influence and territory will grow. Finally, face your giants. There are all of us who have got giants to face. Here's what I love. I just love. Now, this is funny how people respond. I love this one in, where Caleb says, he said, the giants are bred for us. Isn't that good? I spoke that to someone a couple of weeks ago, and they said, bread is a giant for me. Oh, really? <laughs> Go on a fast. <laughs> No, you've actually got to deal with the internal things. So every one of us has got a giant. I wonder what it has intimidated you and kept you contained. If you were to just put a name on it and begin to ponder and ask the Holy Spirit to show you how long that giant has been in that territory in your life, how long has it been ruling there, how long has it been walking up and down, defying you year after year after year, keeping you contained, and God is saying, Take that giant, it's bread for you. Why don't you name that giant and begin to think through the strategy to deal with it. Maybe you need prayer, maybe you need some counsel, maybe you need some help, maybe you need to fast, maybe you need to just shift the way you think, maybe there's an issue to resolve. But face the giant, they're bred to enlarge you to go somewhere else and become increased in your influence. I love the, the, uh, the challenge that, uh, that Caleb had right at the very end. When he got to 85, and you think, flip, he's ready to lie down and retire, go to a home and just watch movies and go on outings. And uh, this is what he said. You know the word I had in my heart 40 years ago when I went into the land. And you know the word I brought back. And you know the promise of God. And I've held that promise for 40 years. 
been a long 40 years watching people die all around me in unbelief. But I said, I, he said, I got that promise in my heart. He said, now give me the mountain that I got the giants in it that everyone else said, you can't do it. Give me that mountain. God gave him what he requested. God gave Jabez what he requested. So what Jabez requested obviously was in the heart of God and that same thing is in the heart of God for you and for me. I don't care what sorrows you've been through, what difficulties or tragedies you've had, and you may have a life that's marked by sorrow and you may be a pain in the butt to lots of people, but it doesn't end there. You can make a decision. God, bless me abundantly and enlarge my territory. I'm my life changing. My life is going to get better. My life is on the increase and improve. My influence is going to increase in 2011. Can you say that? Can you say that today? Come on, let's give the Lord a clap and thank Him today. Father, we just thank You for all the challenges we've had in 2010, but they were all working a better way to glory for our lives. And in 2011, Lord, this is our prayer. My God, pour out blessing in abundance. My God, pour out grace in abundance. My God, enlarge our territory. Enlarge our influence. Oh God, keep us from the evil one. Keep us from the destructive strategies of the devil. Surround us with your angels. And my God, that you would keep us from all harm. In this coming year, enlarge our territory. Enlarge our territory. Enlarge our territory. This is the prayer of kings, oh God. Enlarge our territory, our influence, our capacity in 2011. And Lord, we give you all the honor. Come on, can we stand together, shall we? Why don't we just, we're finishing this year. Why don't we honor God in our singing and reach out today and pray that prayer. Not only today, but each day. My God, Pour out blessing and abundance. Enlarge my territory. Then get your pen out before the end of the year and write down what will that mean in 2011. What is it you got to face? What is it the change? What is it you got to do? What is it you're going to commit to?